Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. Yes. So, Dell has brought his guitar up here with us. Okay. So, yeah, we, we've already um, uh, done morning prayer and had a time of worship. Mm-hmm. And it's only 6.25, so we've been up here since 5.10. Okay, it's 6.25 in the morning right now. So they yeah. ha- So the... So the police haven't really figured... I'm just going to set this up. I'm going to start. Okay. uh, Okay. Hello, friends. Um, I don't even know how to begin. My friend Jared sent me a message last night while I was in an elders meeting. And he said, yeah, I'm about to get arrested. So let's talk about this afterward. Now, I felt like I need to understand exactly what's going on. So we got Jared on the line here. So say hello. Good day, mate. (laughs) Your your Australian is uh, coming along, Luke. You think so? Yeah, Paul will be very impressed. Do I sound more Perth, like Western Australia, or more Sydney? Uh, I was being sarcastic, mate. You, you oh. sound like a I sound like a what? <laughs> An American. <laughs> what did you? What was the word you used? A sep. Uh, a sepo. It's a uh, endearing Aussie slang for our American friends. A sepo. Is it a very nice? I, it sounds like it's probably not a nice thing. Uh, it's it's you know how Aussies are. If um if we give you a hard time. It means we love you. Okay, so I'm a sepo here with my Australian. Fine, leave it that. Okay, first of all, you're the one about to get arrested, so you can make fun of me all you want. You're going to be in handcuffs in a matter of minutes or hours, and I'm going to be watching Stranger Things uh, on Netflix. So, oh, so good. How far through Stranger Things? Are I'm like two, three episodes in. Like I'm, I'm pretty behind. Oh, what of season one? Season two. Season two. Season two. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we're not talking I'm about... Str- you, we don't need to watch Stranger Things. You are suspended from the side of a building right now on this catamaran kind of campsite thing. Like You're yeah, s- six a, stories up right now. Uh, Five? Six stories sounds um, about how I feel, but I think we're actually... What are we? Five stories up. Oh, only five. Only five. Okay. Um, but, uh, like, I don't like heights, Luke. Um, okay, we previously talked when you were walking across town in your underwear, and uh, so do you, you got arrested for that as well. Do you prefer, did you get arrested for that one? Uh, that was after the strip search. So we came out of court, and on the steps of court in front of um, all the press, uh, we talked about how Love Makes Way is being based upon turning the other cheek and now it was time to give our undergarment as well so us pastors and priests we stripped down to our underwear mm-hmm. and walked an hour back to where we i am currently right now suspended above which is the foreign minister's office so we're suspended four meters above the foreign minister's office with um, a banner underneath us that says love makes a way for asylum seekers and a banner above us which reads uh, sos manus Okay, we will get into Manus in just a second. That's an island, 600 plus men. Is, that, is it just men who are living there? Men and women? Uh, in terms of the detention center, it's just men. Yeah, okay. 606. Yep. 600, we'll get to the 606 men in a second. But you are suspended uh, five stories up. You've decided that this is the way to get your message across. 
what like was an email campaign not an option was like sending a letter did that not work a tweet a facebook post what what makes you feel like getting stuck on the side of a building on a hanging tent is the best way to do this (laughs) well in part my mate um del bergsman who's sitting next to me who's um a provisional psychologist uh he's the climber so he's the one who's like hey we could we could do a banner drop like this um but in terms of meeting with politicians and emails and prayer meetings and preach-ins and teach-ins and uh, campaigns and all that kind of stuff, um, they're avenues that we're fully exhausted. So uh, uh, the, these are things that we have done and we have a situation now where six people have already died on Manus um, and they've cut off all water, um, all food, uh, there is no sanitation, uh, there is no electricity, um, and there's no shelter. And I, I have a lovely um, elderly Chinese woman who's going for her morning walk who's waving at us. That's beautiful. Oh, that's nice. Making friends. <laughs> yeah, just waving back. Just making friends. And, and so um, as well as um, elderly women uh, who are walking around waving at us making their day, Mm-hmm. Um, we're here to draw attention to that reality, which is so desperate. And Luke, we really feel that um, if if something doesn't happen soon, we will see more people die. Okay, so there are 600 people, their life is at stake, and you're a deeply devoted Jesus person. And I know you're committed to nonviolence, the Anabaptist way. Uh, you've got ties to the Churches of Christ, which is the best thing about mm. you, besides your hair. And... Uh, <laughs> What what uh, what spiritual resources? What teachers are you following in uh, in this? It's, dare I call it a prophetic act? I think if this was the Old Testament, it would be seen as a prophetic act. In, in terms of whether it's uh, cooking on your own dung or laying down uh, on your side um, or uh, that kind of stuff, the, the prophets loved a bit of um, Holy Spirit filled street theater, uh, a bit of yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, guerrilla God stuff um, that that speaks of a, a new future um, and brings a, a dire warning. And um, I mean, we would hesitate before using those terms, but definitely, like Abraham Joshua Heschel said, we we want to be um, students of the prophets. And you know, our, our ultimate uh, prophet, king, and priest is our, our Lord and Savior. Uh, and so for us, this is trying to, as Martin Luther King would say, dramatize the issue in such a way that um, we can pierce the numbness of the uh, Australian consciousness at the moment that sees people needing safety as our enemies instead of um, strangers who Christ comes camouflaged as and desperately needs welcome. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're you're referencing a text in Matthew 25 that that's when we uh, clothe or fed or did not clothe or feed Jesus. Um, So And, and explicitly in Matthew 25, welcome the stranger. And we sometimes forget that the, the Greek word for stranger, uh, we use the term in English xenophobia. The, the New Testament Greek term for stranger is philoxenia. It's literally the combination of the word for brotherly love or sisterly love and stranger. So it's, it's um, brotherly, sisterly love for the stranger is literally what hospitality um, is. And in terms of um, stranger, they're, they're the terms that uh, are used in ways that even spelling that kind of stuff out starts to enter into a different imagination. Okay. So what, 
what do you think is going to be accomplished by this street theater, to use your phrase? Yeah, for, for us, I'll be honest, Luke, I'm not sure this is the best action. Um, I'm not even sure this is the right action, but I couldn't do nothing and see people die and think I could have done something. And so prayerfully, um, uh, we have sought to, to take action in such a way that uh, we can draw attention to what is happening. And uh, if we're wrong, I'm quite happy on Judgment Day to wear that and go, yeah, my bad. That, that, was, yeah. that was me. That, that was my bad. But to, to not do something, um, you know, I, I've, I'm literally having trouble sleeping with this going on at the moment. When we were talking on the phone last night, uh, you were like emotionally breaking up. Like this was affecting you so mm-hmm. that you couldn't even construct an entire sentence without tearing up. Why do you have such an emotional response to these 600, 606 men? Yeah, it, 2004, Luke, was the first time that um, uh, uh, I, I'd started with some friends, a Catholic worker-inspired, uh, albeit an Anabaptist Catholic worker-inspired community, intentional community, where we practice hospitality for homeless people, and first invited in uh, somebody into my home who was a refugee. His name was Ahmed Shah, and um, uh, his friendship had a profound impact on me, and he... he um, tragically, meaninglessly, uh, was murdered. Um, and he, losing him as a friend, somebody who uh, I shared uh, my house with and breakfast with every morning, who um, would join us for morning prayer, um, that God just opened me up over that. And um, since then, I guess it was four years ago, five years ago, starting First Home Project, where We've housed over 50 refugees, and uh, just two weeks back now, we've had our second family graduate not to enter the rental market, but to buy their own home. So literally a a refugee family who have gone from secondary homelessness to owning their own home after uh, Christians supported them to uh, actually get into the rental market, um, uh, find a safe community. And so it's it's not abstract for me. Like, I, I can you know, run two-day workshops and do on uh, scripture and asylum seekers, scripture and refugees, um, the the Bible and uh, what it is to to respond. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But this is is more, um, I have have Molly calling me now, um, who is here to take some photos, which is great. But all that to say, um, this isn't abstract for me, Luke. It's, uh, these are real people for me. These are my friends. I, I live with 12 recently arrived refugees on a daily basis. It's, it's who I have dinner with. Okay, I don't understand the political climate of Australia. I, I hardly can fathom the political climate of America. So I, I can't get two at the same time. So what is, what is the concern from... <clears throat> excuse me. What is the concern from the Australian uh, community that makes them think leaving them at Manus Island is the most responsible thing to do for the Australian people? Yeah, don't ever let an Australian give you a hard time for America being so racist uh, without actually first confessing the racism of Australia. 
Um, the, the first law. Did you that hear that, passed, Paul Nevison? Paul Nevison, did you hear that? <laughs> the, the first law that was passed in Australian Parliament in 1901 was the White Australian Policy, which, um, yes, it's true that Australia was created as a utopia of equality and that South Australia was one of the first state territories or provinces in the world to give women the vote. Australia was the second nation to give women the vote after uh, New Zealand. Um, and while that is true, it was to be a utopia for white people. Um, it was to be a utopia that deliberately uh, excluded people of other races, uh, thinking that that would actually deteriorate and erode this vision of equality. And it's, it's deeply disturbing and white supremacy expressed in Australia um, still looks like our incredible anxiety of the fact that we stole this land from the Indigenous peoples uh, with a history of genocide and we arrived on boats and now we're petrified that the land would be stolen from us. And uh, in terms of the principalities and powers that animate the Australian imagination that need to be called to repentance, this is some of the stuff that um, is sometimes easier to see from afar, but when, when you're swimming in it, it's hard to, you know, fish don't know they're wet. Um. Um, and so Australians um, are deeply suspicious of people who arrive by boat. I, I have a, I was working with an amazing Aboriginal elder, elder called Uncle Kev Buzzcott down in South Australia. And uh, we were at Baxter Detention Centre in 2006 for large protests. And he, he lost his temper at the largely white activists that were gathered. And he, he just started yelling, when are you white fellas gonna learn that if you don't let them in, we're gonna send you back as well. And, and that pretty much encapsulates a lot mm. of, um, uh, in Australia, we're people who were either colonized, colonizers, convicts or recently arrived migrants and uh, that's some of the the beauty and the strength but if we don't deal with our past that needs to be repented of we can't step into the future of um uh you know a healing justice mm -hmm. and peace that god has for us suspicion of others i think that is a very accurate assessment of many of our struggles with treating others with equality is because we're suspicious of them. We don't know what's going to happen. How are they going to treat us? Before your encounter um, uh, with the gentleman he mentioned earlier who, who passed away tragically, did you have that same suspicious of, suspicion of others? And that had to be uh, squelched and ameliorated by actually getting to know someone? Yeah. I, um, I have a complicated history in, in terms of uh, I certainly grew up in a place where it was clear who was supposed to hate and, and one of the complications is I was identified with um, the people we were supposed to hate. So when, when my dad um, came back to Christian faith in the Churches of Christ after being a brother in a Catholic order and when his family migrated to Australia, um, my my dad's generation, so I'm a first generation Australian, their, their struggle uh, in the north of Ireland, as my dad would say, in Northern Ireland, in Belfast, as Irish Catholics, I grew up with my grandfather saying, proddy bastard, proddy bastard, not realising until I guess I was about 10 or 11 that he was talking about me, Luke. 
so the the people we were taught to hate were protestants and according to my granddad i was one hmm. um my my uncles told um, my dad that uh, it would have been easier if you'd told mum and dad you were gay then you told them you were baptized again um so in in terms of <laughs> maybe the homophobia and the prejudice um but when when you've been on the receiving end of um discrimination and uh involved in in um struggle it's it's very hard to love the other side so i grew up with a very complicated relationship knowing that mum's side of the family are russian jews dad's side of the family are irish catholic and yet um you know uh, both those people are recently white <laughs> yeah. well, that, i mean that speaks to the jewish ethic on welcoming strangers because it's always mm. because you yourselves were strangers in egypt you welcome the foreigner because you yeah. were the foreigner yourself i mean that seems to be i mean the, the jewish ethic on treatment is exactly what you've described your experience leads you to be able to commiserate with those who have that experience but how do people who who don't have that experience like i I've never been confused for an outsider because uh, I'm a, a white, straight Christian male in America. It's always been mm. easy for me in a lot of ways. My concern and um, heart for the outsider, asylum seekers, uh, refugees has really only been of recent when I've actually gotten to know friends who are refugees. Yeah. And when, when, you, yeah. when you have a church that has, uh, a, I mean, we have... I don't know, 25 uh, people from the Congo, Rwanda, uh, lead a song in Swahili in service on Sunday. Yeah. And you know those people. It's like, oh, I know those people. I know the Christians. I know Patrick. I know. Uh, it, it humanizes that for me, even though I've never been in their shoes. It, it seems like relationship and personal connection often is the main location that empathy is born out of. Yeah, I'm in. And I've been so moved by your witness and what your church is doing. Please. Um, thank your congregation on, on my behalf. I think it's so beautiful and speaks so much of the kingdom. And I think it's about taking seriously our baptism, uh, both in the sense that we are a, a one people together across these um, boundaries that, or whatever might be on our passports, but also that in our baptism, all identities that um, name us something less than a child of God are relativized. So our, our histories of um, struggle can be redeemed and they're stories that we must tell. Uh, but our histories where they're, they're not suitable for the world to come that has arrived in our Lord, um, th those things don't name us anymore. They're, mm -hmm. they're as much what we're to die to as well as, you know, our flesh, um, the, the sarks, that which is formed by this society which we interject upon ourselves that names us something less than... Um, God's beloved in whom he is well pleased. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're, it's what, 6.45 in the morning over there right now. <laughs> you're hanging from a side, the side of a building, the sign above you. What does it say again? Love makes a way. Is that right? There, is that you're saying? I can see a picture. Yeah, we, we've, got, we've got love makes a way. And above me now, you can see SOS Manus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny we're having this conversation Um. I'll take some photos and, and, and send you. Yeah, I'm going to actually try to post this immediately after we're done here. So send me some pictures immediately, and I'll, I'll put them online too with the, the podcast. This is pretty surreal that you're up here right now. Your hope is that 
you can work towards drawing attention to this by getting people to think, hey, this is a subject we need to think about and discuss. And obviously the the world of politics dictates how these people are going to be treated. Is that fair to say, right? Uh, sorry, go again. I, I was just replying to a journalist. Oh, okay. Compared to like, you know, <laughs> sorry, talking mate. to a podcaster. Sorry. You know, I, I see the pecking order <laughs> of our friendship right there. <laughs> that hurts. I, I, I hung up on them, but text them. So, you, you know, you're, uh, you're important to me. Okay, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> thank you. Well, I got to go home and eat dinner, so fine. You're on your own. <laughs> you can't go anywhere. You're on the side of a building. Um, okay, so you're kind of at the beck and call of policymakers on this subject. And I know you've got a Walter Brueggemann book on your little tent thing with you, right? You sent me a picture. Yeah, yeah we do. Yeah, yeah. So Brueggemann talked about how, um, he was on the podcast a while ago, and he talked about how you know 52 Sundays a year, people go to church. What if they took a few of those and were politically involved instead. And the first thing I said to old Dr. Brueggemann is, uh, you're clearly out of touch with people because no one goes to church 52 Sundays a year. Uh, <laughs> no one does that. You're, you're getting like 26 Sundays a year already. Um, my typical go-to move is not saying y'all need to get politically active. That's clearly something that you're going towards why are you making that decision? Help, help me understand the decision-making process that led you to this. Well, what's interesting for, for me and, and what I would say to the Bruges, um, who is a legend and has been such a, a massive influence on me, and um, I've actually been invited to um, spend an afternoon with him early next year. So uh, That's pretty uh, nice. That'll, yeah, that'll, that's, that's going to be exciting for me. But for, for me, the 52 weeks... Um, uh, like being a people together forms us, like coming around the table together forms us, um, w- worshipping together forms us, confession together forms us, and baptism names us for that formation. Um, as I wave to the cyclists. This is <laughs> ridiculous. This is a surreal experience, yeah. Um, so we're formed in worship. That, that, yeah. that, that is our political formation, um, if we're going to use the term politics. This isn't about left or right. Um, th- this is about being Christ-centred. And being centred in Christ means being bound to Christ and being found in the places where our Lord is found, amongst the lost, the last, the least, the left out, the looked over, uh, amongst those that others consider poor, um, but God has chosen to be rich in faith. And the, the problem is is not merely that people are only attending 26 weeks, it's that sometimes people don't attend because what they're being offered is entertainment or um, cheap forms of commercial spirituality, and we're not being dared to take up our cross, to die to ourselves, and to follow Jesus in the power of the resurrection. And that can't help but be an exciting journey. Um, uh, I mean, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus, um, and the, there's something about those costly things and learning to listen to the Holy Spirit and respond with what God's Spirit is doing that, um, like, if our Christian walk is boring, we're doing it wrong, Luke. Mm. That's good. That's good. Well, um, just one more question. 
you are like strapped in really like double check, double safety, like backup, lay on, lay on, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, do you really? Dell and I have, have uh, a well strapped in. Okay. Thanks. I mean, I, this is ridiculous. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you off one last question. Uh, what does the world need to know that they don't know right now? Said the man hanging on the side of the building. Uh, we need to know that man hanging on that cross at, at Calvary and that he's risen from the grave and that that isn't some kind of cheap preacher line, but this is the pre- profound mystery that names all of reality being undergirded by mercy and, and what it is to be made in the image of a God who is this unfailing compassion and, and nonviolent love and that that isn't a weak force but is actually the strongest power available to us um that's what we desperately need to know is who god reveals jesus to be Hmm. amen oh there was a nice little dyslexic moment did you notice that who god reveals jesus to be that still works theologically yeah i would but who jesus reveals god to be is probably what i was going for well all right it, Mate, I've had three hours sleep. Don't expect it. I'm still happy to do an altar call, but don't expect it to, to be my best ever. Well, I mean, it's solid. I mean, I think you're going to get the response just because, again, you're five stories up hanging on the side of a building on a little tent <laughs> thing that I don't even think is really a tent because there's no lid on it. But anyway, Jer, please stay safe. And um, Thanks, Mike. You expect to get arrested any time now? Is that the plan? Like. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll probably be up here for another seven hours or so. They're, they're, they might have a difficult time getting us down. Did you watch, there was a movie about the guy who uh, like tried to do the tight rope walk across like uh, the oh, Twin yeah. Towers yeah, or something? Yeah. I, I saw it on a plane. It made me feel sick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really don't like heights. Like, um, I don't. Uh, th- this is me stepping out. In fact, Dell was laughing at me. Don't step out. Don't step out. Stay there. Stay attached. When the officers come, just open the window and go inside. I guess you can't really open a window, but climb one up. Just just don't do something stupid, okay? Don't don't hurt yourself. Because you're going to come to the state soon, and you talked earlier about the utopia for white people, and I'm going to take you to the real utopia for white people, which we call in the states the Cracker Barrel. Hell. Oh, sorry. (laughs) No. (laughs) Easy now, easy. Crack a barrel. Oh gosh! All right, man. Cheers, mate. Hey, mate. Um, thanks, and and please keep praying for the men on Manus. It's really, really desperate. Um, if if people want to follow the action, uh, it's uh, evacuate Manus or hashtag Love Makes Away. Evacuate Manus hashtag. Okay, we'll do that. I'll uh, I'll tag that on the uh, the show notes. Well done. Yeah, and I want to say um, thanks to all those doing such amazing work in the state in terms of opening people's eyes to a compassionate alternative. Uh, I'm thinking in particular of um, Jono and the week that he's had at Liberty, Paul Feller. Um, But I know there are so many people who are listening who are finding things very difficult, and I just want to encourage them and and say keep living God's love. Uh, And for those of you who don't know, Jono is Jonathan Martin. (laughs) thanks for checking out newsworthy with norsworthy make sure to subscribe to the podcast on itunes you are now adjourned